Hello and welcome to Happier, a podcast where we discuss easy ways to make ourselves happier, healthier, more productive, and more creative. This week, in honor of Valentine's Day, our episode will have a slight romance flavor. We'll talk about why you should have a kissing schedule and how to manage disagreements about how tidy a place should be. I'm Gretchen Rubin, a writer who studies happiness, good habits, and human nature. I'm in New York City, and with me is my sister, Elizabeth Kraft, who has some huge news. That's me, Elizabeth Kraft, a TV writer and producer living in L.A. And yes, Gretchen, I have huge news. Uh, I am getting my pilot made. Yay! Crowds Yay. go wild. Yes, this is huge. Uh-huh. This is yeah, huge. it's not just mine. I did. Uh, it's a pilot I wrote with Sarah, my writing partner and co-host of Happier in Hollywood, and Marcia Clark. Yes, uh, we all co-wrote it or co-creating a show. It's called The Fix, and it's a serialized legal thriller for ABC, and we're ex- incredibly excited. Um, and for anyone who doesn't know, making a pilot means that. We'll make one episode of the show, the first episode, and then in May we'll find out if it goes to series and if we get to make a whole season. Uh, so it's a very exciting time, um, and we'll be talking all about it on Happier in Hollywood. So if anyone's interested, check out uh, Happier in Hollywood. And also you can listen to uh, episode 38 of that where we talked about the pilot pickup process, which is very anxiety-producing, and I'm very glad that it's over. <laughs> Until May. I mean, of course I'm biased, but um, when I was in L.A. recently, Elizabeth, I read the script, and it's so good. I was like, I cannot believe how good this is. I cannot wait to see what comes of it. So congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. A great way to start 2018. So, Elizabeth, this week our Try This at Home tip is in honor of Valentine's Day, and it's something that we've mentioned in passing in the past, but we decided it's worth its own Try This at Home, which is to kiss in the morning, kiss at night. I tried this for the first time uh, when I was writing The Happiness Project. And the idea is, is that you make an effort, you put it on the schedule to kiss that sweetheart or that family member or whomever in the morning and at night. And one of the reasons why this is important is that research shows that loving actions inspire loving feelings. Sometimes we think, well, I'll wait until I feel loving and then I will do something loving. But what the research shows is that a lot of times you're going to feel a lot more loving if you act in a loving way. For many people, it probably sounds a little bit silly and rigid to put something like kissing on the Mm -hmm. daily schedule. But I found if it's not on my schedule, it doesn't happen. I have to put it in there in a slot to make sure that I really stick to it. Yeah, I find, um, Gretchen, like I always kiss Adam goodbye in the morning Mm -hmm. uh, because he's standing right there. Like he usually... Usually I take Jack to school and Adam walks us out and then, you know, I, I, I give him a kiss. So it's just very obvious when to do it, yeah. you know. Um, but at night I come in, he might not be in the room, you know, or he's making something. I mean, I just, it's not as clear cut a, a time, which is why I think I often forget to do it. Um, but I want to because, of course, kissing someone hello is like one of the nicest things that there is in life. I know. I always think, think to myself, I can't let my dog Barnaby be 10 times more enthusiastic about seeing some member of my family come in than I am. You know, I need to like aspire, oh, that's to, funny. aspire to the level of Barnaby. Um, but you bring up something that I think is part of what's good about Kiss in the Morning, Kiss at Night is that if, if you're doing it, it forces you to get up and seek out the person to greet them when they're coming back or when you're coming back because it's very easy to just yeah. be like, 
uh, and 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 not even really visibly acknowledge them. But if you're kissing them, you probably have to like go to wherever they are and yeah. to give them their kiss. Like with Jamie, it's kind of annoying because my office is on a like uh, up these little oh, service stairs. Yeah. So I'm up there kind of doing my like early morning stuff and he'll like yell at the bottom of the stairs like I'm leaving. And I, you know, a lot of times I'm like, well, I wish he would just come up and, and give me a kiss. Mm. But I'm like, mm-hmm. you know what? I'm not going to make this some big battle. Right. Who's going up? Who's going right. down? So I'm like, yeah, that's not in the spirit of the kiss in the morning, kiss at night. So I come down to him. And I would up this Gretchen and say a kiss and a hug, mm. you know, because hugging really ups the connection. It really does. Cause and it the ki- warm feelings. Because a kiss can be perfunctory. Like you can just give a little peck, but a hug, it's like, it takes a minute. And the longer your hug is, yeah. the more you get those good, like research shows, the more that you have all those like positive hormones of connection. Um, but you're right. It takes more time and effort. Now, Gretchen, I have to tell you that I kiss Jack all the time. I mean, it's like 50 times a day probably. Yeah. But he went through a phase where, which a lot of kids do, where it was I was absolutely not allowed to kiss him goodbye at school. <laughs> and it was so hard for me. Yeah. I'd be like in the parking garage at school, can I kiss you now? And he's like, no. Um, like, no one's here. And he's like, no kissing at school. But then miraculously, <laughs> one day he just changed his mind and he decided it was okay. So now I get to kiss him goodbye at school, like in front of everyone. So I'm so happy about that. Oh, that's so nice. He relented. Yeah, I guess I, maybe he saw enough other kids getting kissed that he decided, oh, I guess it's normal. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think it's one of these things too, where it might sound like it's something that you're like a burden to add it to your routine. But once you get used to it, um, it just feels very normal. Like now in our household, people sort of feel like they can't walk out until somebody or walk in. You sort of feel like you need that to happen. You get that. You know, the thing about a habit is if you don't do it, you feel sort of uncomfortable. It's like, oh, like I feel that way when I get in a bus right. and I'm trying to do my seatbelt. I'm like, oh, I feel kind of weird sliding into a seat and not putting on a seatbelt. And same thing with this. Once you get into that practice of it, everybody you're in contact with will begin to sort of feel like, oh, this is part of our day. Um, I have to say, I give myself a gold star because I was on a panel where people were talking about um, like various happiness and technology things. And someone like challenged the audience. They're like, when you wake up first thing in the morning, what do you do first? Do you reach for your phone or do you reach for your sweetheart? And I'm like, yay, I get the gold star because I, I, that's the first thing I do in the morning is kiss Jamie. So it's like very proud of myself. Uh, so before you're even out of bed, you kiss oh, yeah. Jamie. Yeah, yeah, I do. I kiss him and I kiss him while he's still sort of lying there half asleep. And then, on, mm-hmm. and then as he goes out. And, you know, a nice thing about it is it's harder to feel. And this is and again, we're talking about sweethearts mostly, but it's true for for any relationship where you would be doing this is that it's. Loving actions crowd out bad feelings often. And it's harder to feel annoyed, resentful, angry with somebody when you're giving them a kiss. And so it's like a good way to just keep things calm because you're making those little gestures of connection regularly. And it costs nothing, which is the great thing. I mean, a lot of times around Valentine's Day, there are all these things, articles about, you know, what you should do to keep that love and feeling, you know, with your mate. (laughs) And they can be very time consuming and expensive, like going away for a weekend. um, Romantic cruise. (laughs) Yes. Couples massage. Yeah. Um, But, you know, kissing every day a lot is obviously a way to keep that love and feeling that, you know, is cheap and easy. Yeah. Yeah. 
And in, and the general point, again, which is applicable to everyone, no matter what your situation, your romantic situation, your family situation, is this basic principle, which is that actions influence feelings. And and this is really powerful because if you don't like the way you feel, you can act the way you wish you felt. And this is true. If you're feeling shy, you can act friendly and that's going to help you feel friendlier. If you're feeling low energy, you can if you sort of act with energy, like put more energy into your movements, walk faster, that's going to make you feel more energetic. And again, if you're feeling sort of resentful or angry or annoyed and you perform loving actions, that helps to increase loving feelings. It's just it's just this sort of psychological principle and this is one way, this is like a, a good, easy way to put it into practice, but it's something that, that you can use in many, many different areas of your life. If you're feeling annoyed, act. think about gr- being grateful. Like, oh, you're, mm. you know, I'm going to say thank you to you for something that you've done, even though part of me is like, I'm really annoyed with something else you didn't do. <laughs> That'll boost your feelings <laughs> of gratitude. Yeah, so let us know if you do try this at home and how kissing your sweetheart every morning and every evening works for you. Or if you find it ridiculous to think of kissing on the schedule, <laughs> let us know on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Drop us an email at podcast at GretchenRubin.com. Or as always, you can go to the show notes for this episode. This is happiercast.com slash 156 for everything related to this episode. Coming up, a happiness hack that is not romance related, except for the love affair with your phone. Noom is the habit-changing solution that helps users learn to develop a new relationship with food through personalized courses. Based in psychology, Noom teaches you why you do the things you do and empowers you with the tools you need to break bad habits and replace them with better ones. Because everyone's different, Noom adjusts to your lifestyle. They teach you the psychology behind the decisions you make and then help you keep track of everything from workouts and steps to analyze your diet and recommending healthy recipes. Noom also connects you with a personally assigned goal specialist and a community of other Noomers, so you have all the support you need to empower your change. Gretch, you know, I love Noom. I love all the tools it has, especially the step tracker and the weight tracker. I rely on those every day. Yep, you don't have to change it all in one day. Small steps make big progress. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com slash happier. That's N-O-O-M dot com slash happier. What do you have to lose? Visit Noom.com slash happier to start your trial today. So this week's happiness hack came from Amanda. She sent an email about using grayscale on your phone. And I had read about this myself in the New York Times. Yeah, she said, I feel that I've been spending too much time on social media apps like Facebook and Instagram with endless scrolling in the mornings and at nights. Recently, I came across an article from Lifehacker about enabling the grayscale color function on my phone to combat phone addiction. Over the weekend, I made this change and immediately felt less of a desire to scroll apps on my phone simply because it isn't very pretty to look at. I thought of the Happier podcast because I know Gretchen is such a fan of color and wondered if this hack would be of interest to your listeners. So this I thought was fantastic. I had read about it in the New York Times and then also in that Lifehacker article, which by coincidence was written by a friend of mine, Melissa Kirsch. So that was really fun to see. And I did it. And it turns out it's very easy to do. And once you do it Mm. once, there's a shortcut so that I can just hit my phone three times and it gives me the option to switch or not. Mm. And it's insane. does it work? Oh, my God. Somebody, I think in the New York Times article, they said it makes it feel like a tool instead of a toy. 
it dramatically changes the way it feels. It feels so much more utilitarian. And also, as I know, as Amanda mentioned, I'm like obsessed with color and I'm writing this little book called My Color Pilgrimage. So I've been studying color. One of the reasons that we've been, uh, we've evolved to see color is that it helps us pick out objects in a background. It's like it helps us find things and distinguish things mm. one from another. And so it's a lot more work to use your phone because everything mm, looks much more yeah. alike. And so it feels less pretty and also more burdensome. And so if you're a person who's having trouble turning away, I think this is a really good strategy. And so, Gretchen, do you know how to do it? Yes. So I've never even seen the term grayscale before. Okay, yes. So grayscale just all looks like black, white, and gray. And so I will post a link both to the New York Times article and to the Lifehacker article that goes through it, but just quickly for people who want to hear it. In Androids, it's accessed through the accessibility menu. And if you're on iOS 10, you go to settings, then general, then accessibility, then display accommodations, and then color filters. And then you switch color filters on and select grayscale. This is a lot easier than it sounds. And then mm-hmm. if you want to go between color and grayscale, and I, now I'm at this point, you go to settings, general, accessibility, accessibility shortcut, color filters, and then you can just hit the button, home button three times for your grayscale to switch on and off. I know this sounds hard, but like when I really sat down and just did it, it was very easy even for a totally untechy person like me. And it's kind of, it's even just interesting to see how different it feels. Yeah. All right, I'm going to try that. Yeah, it's a good thing if you're a person who's fighting fun. It's like TV. Remember, like if, if you see something in black and white, you see it in color. It just, it's just much more attention grabbing in color. Color is influences us. We love color. We're drawn to color. And when things are not in color, they're just less enticing. Yes. Thank you, Amanda, for that great happiness hack. And now, Elizabeth, it's time for a four tendencies tip. We got a question related to the four tendencies from our listener, Heather, who is an obliger. Now, if you have no idea what we're talking about, you can take the quiz to find out if you're an upholder, a questioner, an obliger like Heather, or a rebel at happiercast.com slash quiz. It's free. More than 1.3 million people have taken it. And here's Heather's question. She says, my husband and I are both obligers. He is an obliger with a tinge of upholder, and I am an obliger with a fairly good amount of rebel. Our only child went off to college this past September, and so now we have more time to ourselves and want to utilize that time well. As obligers, we find it hard to keep promises to ourselves about projects and exercise, etc., That has always been the case, but before we had our child, we were so young that not exercising and watching too much TV just felt like a young person's standard existence. (laughs) And while we were raising our child, it was easy to be proactive because it was in service to our family or our child. My husband works long hours, so weeknights can feel especially hard to put new plans into motion. I think he is always kind of on the brink of obliger rebellion just from work. I also think that some of the things that I suggest we try, read a book out loud, go to sleep a little earlier, do a puzzle, feel like more obliging to my husband, and that's not helping the situation either. Okay. I think I have a major insight here that is going to help Heather. So, Oh, good. So, <laughs> so okay, um, just to refresh, obligers are people who readily meet outer expectations but struggle to meet inner expectations. So they have no trouble meeting the work deadline, but when they're trying to keep a New Year's resolution, they struggle. So in this couple, we have two obligers married to each other. And obliger is the largest tendency for both men and women. And obligers 
hook up the most easily with the other tendencies. And so it's not surprising you'd have an mm. obliger, obliger couple. But here's the thing about obligers. So they need outer accountability to meet an inner expectation. Okay, so if you want to read more, join a book group, that's the outer accountability. But for reasons that are really quite romantic, if you think about it, spouses and sweethearts do not make good outer accountability partners for obligers. Because what an obliger thinks is, you are so close to me, you are like me. And so I'm going to ignore you and your expectations just the way I would ignore me and my expectations. So in a sense, they become inner. And so what this is is two obligers who really don't have any outer accountability. It's not working because they're just keeping it in. If they want to do these things, they need to find some sort of outer accountability. Like, um, you know, they need to – and that is always a little bit of uh, an imaginative trick for obligers to figure out, like, well, what would that be? But that's what they need to do. The accountability has to come from out of the pair. Yeah, they need, like, instead of saying, oh, we'll sit down and do a puzzle, they need, like, a weekly poker game with their friends or, yeah. Exactly. Um, They need to set things up so that they have to show up. Or if they want to exercise more, they should go to a yoga class every Wednesday night or something like that. Yeah, and it's interesting too. Like she says that she feels like her husband is on obliger on the brink of obliger rebellion all the time, and this just feels like more obliging. And so I think again, it's very you want to be very obliger rebellion is very powerful. It can be beneficial. It can also be destructive. It can be hard to control. And if you feel like someone's right on the cusp of it, you don't want to add things in, especially if what you're adding in is supposed to make life better. If you're like. If you're like, if it becomes a huge battle, we're supposed to read a book out loud to each other every night. Like, I don't know why you can't get with the program. That's not going to, that's, you're both going to feel worse about that. And so again, I think you're right. Think of ways, how can we achieve the aims that we're trying to achieve without triggering that? Now, a big thing that you can do too, is to just set it up so that things are inconvenient. So if you want to be reading instead of watching TV, maybe you want to do something like, uh, sit in a different room where you don't have a t- the TV. So if you can say like, okay, after mm. dinner, we're going to go sit in this room and we'll just do whatever we want, but there's no TV in there, that could help. You could set up your environment in a way just to, and that's not really accountability. That's really just setting things up. Going to sleep earlier, that's an interesting one because it's both of you. You know, how can we go to sleep earlier? Some obligers, well, obligers are very different in what they feel accountable for, to. So you have to think about mm. yourself. Some obligers can feel obligated to a auto reminder. So are you the kind of person where if your phone sent you a thing like, hey, it's time for bed and your alarm rang, would that prompt you to go? Some people that would work, some people that wouldn't work. So that's something to think about. How can you create structures of outer accountability? Or can you text your child and be like, hey, we're going to bed now. And your child be like, that's mm. good. Don't break the chain. Like, be a good example for me of people who can follow healthy habits. You know, there's different ways to do it. Just what a college student. <laughs> I, know, I know. I need to nag Text my mom and parents to go to bed. To bed <laughs> it's like, they're going to bed at 1030. I'm going to bed at 130. Uh, well, I mean, there's all different ways that you can do it. Um, and it's one of the fun things in the book, The Four Tendencies, was going through so many of the imaginative things that obligers set up to hold themselves accountable But I think the key thing here, the key tip here is don't look to your spouse or your sweetheart to be that outer accountability because that's just Mm -hmm. that often doesn't work. You need to find different solutions. Yeah. So good luck, Heather. Enjoy your um, free time. And I hope this works for you. And now it's time for a listener question. As always, you can leave us a voicemail question at 774-277-9336, which is also 77-HAPPY-336. Or you can email us. This week's question comes from Sarah. She says, 
If someone's actions or lack thereof cause you stress, how can you gently get them to change their habits without resentment? My boyfriend is very messy. He leaves trash everywhere for days, has no system of organization for mail, papers, books, leaves dishes unwashed, clothes everywhere. He only picks them up to wash them. Then they stay unfolded in the laundry basket that he picks from throughout the week rather than folding or hanging. And it is very stressful for me. We have discussed living together and several times I've explained to him that his mess causes me anxiety and I've helped him to do several big cleans. He complains the whole time, but acknowledges how much nicer it is afterwards. He would prefer to live in a mess rather than spending time doing something he hates, even for one minute. She's referring to the one minute rule from episode one (laughs) of our show. He says life on earth is too short to spend time doing things you hate. When I leave, I usually don't go back to his house for a week or two, not because of the mess, but because of work and transportation, and it will go right back to the original state. For my own happiness, I prefer to live in a mostly clean space. He seems content, not unhappy, not thrilled to live in a space full of his own mess. Is there a way I can introduce some organization and cleanliness to make me less anxious, but that won't frustrate him? Well, I have to say, oh boy. Yeah, this is something that comes up all the time, which is a conflict because two people have just very different tolerances for clutter. Some people really want things to be neat. Some people just don't care as much. It just doesn't bother them as much. Elizabeth, does this remind you of any two people that you know? (laughs) Yes, you and I definitely have this. And I also have it with Adam, by the way. I'm the messy one. Yeah. I'm lucky because Jamie and I are, are both very much similar. That's just a huge thing that comes up over and over again is what do you do when there's two ways of thinking about it? Yeah. Now, Gretchen, I have to say, as someone who has been through this um, (laughs) in my life, like people don't just change. It's not like, oh, if you give him two hampers, so look, he can, you know, have all his clothes in the hamper um, or, oh, here's like a nice box for his outgoing, you know, mail that it's suddenly going to be better. It's just, this is who he is. So you do a clutter clearing and he's like, oh yeah, this is really nice. But it's not like he's then going to, you know, oh, I've seen the light and now I'm going to totally <laughs> change the way I've been my whole life. It's just, people don't tend to have to be that way. I mean, I know for me, it took years of Adam really nagging me to get me to like at all get better with being you know messy and I have gotten better but I'm still not where he'd like me to be well and I think an important thing to recognize is that this isn't a situation where one person is right and one person is wrong like you might be like well it's better to have everything be clean and you say you like it better when it's clean but really that is just your preference and he's saying very clearly I don't choose to use my time this way and so it's really a question of can you put up with it because yeah or, or now it is true that sometimes if you say to someone, this is a really big deal to me, this really, really, really bothers me, they can maybe they would try to change certain things. But to make a yeah, mess, that's what really helped me. Yeah. So like what worked for you? Well, yeah, Adam really expressing how it made him depressed every time he walked by my closet and saw clothes on the floor. That's what really got me to make more of an effort. The idea that it wasn't just annoying to him, but that it made him sad. Oh, right. 
right, right, right. Or she says, she uses the word anxious. It makes me anxious. Mm-hmm. And, and then again, you know, I think maybe you need to pick your battles because one thing um, that Sarah says is like, he doesn't have a system of organization for his books. I mean, I would say maybe you let that go. And if somebody doesn't have his books alphabetized, that's not yeah. a big deal. But maybe you could say something like, look, if you would do three things, it would make a huge difference to me. If you could put dirty clothes in the hamper, if you could put dirty dishes in the sink and closed drawers and cabinet doors, mm. could you do that? Like maybe if you make it very simple and pick like the bit, the low hanging fruit, the things that are really, really kind of set you off visually, maybe that would feel like something that was doable where, oh, I'm not spending all my time, you know, uh, you know, cleaning up my apartment. But these are things that I can do that seem reasonable. And if they're going to make a huge difference to you and your comfort in this environment, um, maybe that could work. Yeah. And then it's like. And another thing that could help if there was something, because it seems like if they keep going out and maybe even eventually live together, she's going to be doing a lot of cleaning up of his stuff. Yeah. So maybe there's a task he could do for her, like, you know, take her car to get serviced or, you know, something she doesn't like to do um, or do the grocery shopping or whatever that then makes her feel not resentful about picking up his dirty dishes all the time. Absolutely. That's a great idea because then it's like both people are contributing equally, but they're just contributing in different areas. And I'll post a link to um, uh, a, a post that I wrote, which I have to say is one of my favorite posts that I've ever written ever, um, which is about shared work, the terrible truth about shared work. And one of the things about shared work is that people tend to do the work that they value. And so if you value clutter clearing, you'll spend a lot of time clutter clearing, but then maybe you wouldn't do things like call a handyman to fix a leaky sink, or you wouldn't spend any time like going, doing a thorough grocery shop or whatever. And so work works best when people do, when their responsibilities cover things that they think are important. Because if you keep telling somebody, Mm -hmm. you need to do this work that you don't think is of of any value, then they're probably not going to do it. Like Jamie doesn't help me do our, you know, Valentine's cards because he's like, do them or not. Like, it's up to you. I'm like, he's not going to help me with that. But air conditioning He's on it. Like the minute an air conditioner right, has a problem, right. like he's on the phone because he knows like I can go a long time with no air conditioning and he can't. So that's, that's his funny. job. Yeah. And by the way, I mean, she should just realize if this is bothering her now, if they end up together, it will probably bother her in some form for her whole life. So she just needs to know, is this something she can accept, Yeah. you know, in a lifelong partner? Yeah. And, you know, one of the things that you can always do is you can do it for yourself. You can say, I'm clearing clutter because that's the way I want it to be. And here's something else that I would say um, to Sarah. And, 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 and Sarah, I completely get it. I'm right in your team. I 100%, I would be feeling exactly the same way in your position. So I say this with utter empathy. But I will also say this. While he's annoying you, you are probably annoying him with your clutter clearing and your fussing and your desire to like get up and like deal with all this stuff where he's perfectly happy the way it was. And Elizabeth, I was thinking about the time. Remember when we went to Montecito because we were going to the big Oprah party. We were so excited. Mm -hmm. We shared a hotel room and I did not ask you to clean up, but I did move your stuff around to make it more like in accordance with my clutter clearing ways. Mm -hmm. Now that is an anxiety response for me. So for me, it's calming to do that. But it probably annoyed you that I was in there messing with your stuff. And you, you very graciously didn't say anything about it. <laughs> but it was probably kind of annoying to you, right? 
It probably was, but um, <laughs> at the same time, I know you like things a certain way. Plus, I think you were paying for the hotel room, so that was your right. <laughs> so it's not that one person's right, one person's wrong. It's how do we create an environment where we both feel like we can we can live with it in in, in love. <laughs> Coming up, I've got an eighteen for eighteen happiness demerit. But first, this break. Okay, time for demerits and gold stars. This is an even episode. So, Elizabeth, you are up for a demerit. Yes. Okay, so Gretchen, we've had all this fun um, and wonderfulness with our list of 18 (laughs) for 2018, where we wrote down 18 things we want to do in 2018, and we talked about it on Happier in Hollywood, and everybody's a buzz with 18 for 18. And we keep hearing from people who are crossing things off their list, doing things they've never done, like aerial yoga. I mean, really cool (laughs) stuff. And meanwhile, I've completely forgotten about it. I don't even remember what's on it. I haven't given it a second thought, except for constantly searching the internet for the perfect black purse when I, you know, in my downtime. That's the only thing I've been pursuing. It's like, so I'm in a dangerous place where I'm like, I could just completely go through all of 18 and not even think about my list, which by the way, I have prominently displayed on the bulletin board right next to my desk at work. So it's not like it's not in my face. So it's conspic- I just don't look at it. You just don't look at it. Um, well, and I have to say, like, you really upped your game, too, because you, when we did the deep dive in episode 152, you almost doubled your list. So you actually have, like, 35 for 18. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I know. I, it's like, I need to be clicking these things off, like, one a week. So it's someplace conspicuous. Can you can you put it as the screensaver on your phone? Could you mm, could you That's a good idea. Yeah, so it's sort of like you can't avoid it or maybe your corkboard is kind of to the side. It's not really in your sight line. Could you move it mm. someplace like the inside of the door or something where you just see it more or do you feel like your eyes are just going to glaze over it? I don't know. It's like I think maybe what I need to do is again the sort of put it on the calendar of it all yeah. like Maybe I need to, what I probably need to do is look at it once a week and not that I'm actually going to do something exactly once a week, but sort of focus on the next item at hand. Maybe Sunday night. It's a good thing. It can just have Mm -hmm. it in your mind. Because I do think just reviewing it, even if you're not making specific plans, then it's in your mind. And I think even just looking at the list is helpful to get you start moving down the path. Um, yeah, so much of it is I just don't remember. And yeah. some of them are really important, like make a will, which we don't have a will, which is crazy. You know, so there are things that we really need to do. Right. Well, that you need to put on the calendar. Yeah. Uh, and maybe you, you make want an appointment. Yeah. Yeah. Make an appointment because then you're going to be accountable to somebody else and you're going to be paying for their time. So you're not going to want to want to waste it. Um, but and I'm not going to totally contest this demerit, but I'm going to put an addendum to this demerit, which is that you have been very focused on your one word theme for your work year, um, which is you and Sarah picked the word expand. So control was your personal word, but expand is your work word. And you guys have really focused on expand. So maybe for you this year, or at least at this period, that approach is unlocking your energy better is to think about expand. Yeah, it is hard. I will say doing a pilot is so consuming yeah. that it's hard to then think about like having a dinner party. You but know? see, that's why I think it's good that it's 18 for 2018 because you have plenty of time. You have a, you're right. not even well, that's we're, true. We're not even in, through the first quarter yet. So 
Look at them, have them in your mind, maybe, so you can look for those opportunities. But it's not like everything has to get done right now. Around Thanksgiving, oh, that's when you and I will start. <laughs> oh, gosh. Panic. <laughs> yes. Yes. All right, Gretchen, what is your gold star this week? Well, I'm, well, this is related to you, too, but I want to give a gold star to all the listeners who have given all these fantastic ideas about iron, how to take iron. We have heard so many. I mean, yes. And it's kind of reassuring to realize this is something that clearly many, many people struggle with. This is not just your idiosyncratic problem. This is clearly like a lot of people have trouble tolerating iron. And so, so many people had, we've had such a variety of approaches. It's been super helpful. Yes. And I have some liquid iron, which was one of the suggestions. So I'm going to try just taking little bits more often as opposed to bigger doses once a day. And then also at night, Uh, wasn't that one of the things like take it at night? Oh, yes. And taking it at night. I haven't tried that yet just because I'm still nervous that I'm going to wake up and puke and I don't want, (laughs) I have too much going on to like do that. But um, I think taking the really small amounts um, and putting it in the smoothie was, was a great suggestion. So thank you to everyone. Yes, I want to add to that gold star. It was really nice to hear from everybody. And it was just, it was just so thoughtful that so many people rushed to try to help. Yeah. And that is it for this episode of Happier. Remember to try this at home. Kiss in the morning, kiss at night. Or if that try this at home doesn't apply to you, try another try this at home that allows you to act the way you want to feel on a schedule. Uh, Whether that's more outgoing, more energetic, more enthusiastic, let us know if you tried it and if it worked for you. Thank you to our producer, Odelia Rubin. Also, thanks to Kristen Meinzer and Andy Bowers of Panoply. Get in touch. We're on Instagram, Gretchen's at Gretchen Rubin, and I'm at Liz Craft. Our email address is podcast at GretchenRubin.com. If you like the show, as always, be sure to tell a friend and subscribe to us wherever you listen to your podcast. And for the resources, I want to remind you that the Better app is my app that is all about the four tendencies. You can have discussions, ask questions, and if you're needing outer accountability because you can't get it from your spouse or sweetheart, there are many ways to join or start a group there to give yourself outer accountability. So you can search in the App Store under Better Gretchen Rubin, or you can go on your desktop to betterapp.us. I mean, also, speaking of the tendencies, we have mugs for each tendency and each tendency's motto. Um, I love these so much. So uh, I will put a link to that in the show notes if you want to buy a mug for your tendency or someone else's tendency. Or you can go to the shop button on the GretchenRubin.com site. Until next week, I'm Elizabeth Kraft. And I'm Gretchen Rubin. Thanks for joining us. Onward and Upward. For $50 towards select mattresses, terms and conditions apply. Are you breathing into it? All of a sudden, um, are oh, you breathing? Sorry. <laughs> it's, I'm having problems with my <laughs> mic. <laughs>